Are you in the process of buying or selling property in the DFW area? If so, you'll need a professional building inspector to ensure that your transaction closes smoothly with no surprises. Contact Superior Real Estate Inspection Services for superior quality, superior value, and peace of mind. Visit superiordfwinspections.com to schedule your real estate inspection today. Honoring those trailblazers who preceded us is just as important as leaving a legacy for those who will follow us. Greekly Speaking is about highlighting Greeks today who are creating positive change for tomorrow. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, welcome to Greekly Speaking. I'm Eric Tucker, and joining me for this episode is Reverend Lionel Alexander of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. He was initiated in the Delta Theta chapter of Phi Beta Sigma in the fall of 1980 at Prairie View A&M University. After graduating from Prairie View with a degree in accounting, he then graduated from the Southern Bible Institute with a degree in theological studies. Although still employed by the U.S. Treasury Department, Reverend Alexander has served as pastor of the Greater Mount Olive Baptist Church in his hometown of Dallas, Texas, for the past eight years. And he's also a member of the D9 Business Directory. Please welcome my fraternity brother and my chapter brother, Reverend Lionel Alexander. How are you doing today? Hi, Eric. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on today. Hey, man, we appreciate your time. You know, we have been talking about this for a long, long time, and yeah. we finally get a chance to connect. You know, it, it, that's how it goes when you're busy trying to put that work in, man. And I have loved seeing you and all the other brothers in the chapter just, just doing what you're doing for the community. And, and we're going to get into all of that. But, man, this okay. is Greekly speaking. First of all, we got to understand a little bit about your Greek background, man. Hey, did you have any Greek influences coming up? I did. When I got to Prairie View, I have a cousin who was in actually in Houston and Theopolis Woodard. He's in the region, Gulf States region also. I grew up with Theopolis. And when I got to college, found out he was a Sigma and started learning some things about Sigma in my sophomore year. My twin brother and I played Sigma together. And, and Oh, yeah. And we, we got to talk about your twin brother. You know, I was in the chapter for about three months before I realized it was two of you. I kept thinking I was getting your names misspelled. <laughs> Come to find out, they said, oh yeah, he has a twin. I was like, what? All right, that explains it. Yeah. So you did have a relative that, that kind of helped introduce you to that. Absolutely, but, absolutely. But is there anything in particular that attracted you to the, the Sigmas there on that campus at that time? At that time in Prairie View, Sigmas were, were a big fraternity in the Prairie View Houston area. And once I started looking at a fraternity, I started looking at some things. Sigma was doing some things on campus at the time. And once I had my mind made up that I just zeroed in on Sigmas and everything that I saw was Sigma. So that's the way I wanted to go. Hey, I, I love it, man. And and after, you know, working, like I said, a few months with you, you know, since joining the, that chapter, Theta Mu Sigma, you know, I see that you have a passion for working with the fraternities youth club, the Sigma Beta Club. How did that passion come about? I've been an advisor on the Sigma Beta Club for a little over three years. 
And in April of 2021, the coordinator for the chapter was going to step down. He had some other things he wanted to do, and he didn't want the his outside activities to interfere with the Sigma Beta Club. So he needed to step away from the time. So he actually called me and asked me if I would take over as the coordinator for the chapter. I've been working with him one-on-one a lot for the last two years, and he just felt like I'd be a good fit for it. And I thought about it. It didn't take long to think about it. I knew I'd been working with it. So in order to, since he asked me, that let me know that he was thinking that I could be able to step in and keep things going for the chapter. So I immediately said yes. And once it was confirmed by the executive board, we've been working since May and trying to build a Sigma Beta Club and making it an outstanding club in the in this region and in this nation. Hey, I love it, man. And and just for the benefit of the audience, could you share some of the things that that you and the chapter have been initiating with that club? Absolutely. We had a kickoff, our first kickoff meeting in September. One of our brothers, brother Eric Powell, presented a program that he's been working on, a leadership program for young men, gatekeepers. He presented that program in September and it was enthusiastically received by not only the members, the returning members, the new members that were coming in, and also parents that were on the call also, they enjoyed that. And that's something that we're working with Brother Powell to keep going throughout the year in our upcoming meetings. And in October, October 2nd, you and I spearheaded a, a program meeting that was dressed for success. Brother Lindero Arrington came on and talked about dressing for success. We looked at how to dress, when to dress, what formal is versus business casual. And it was interesting that Lindero found himself not only talking to Sigma Beta Club members, but fraternity members and parents also. So that was a great success also. And that was another program that we're going to allow Brother Arrington to come on throughout the year doing some uh, podcasts or just some announcements or even coming in doing program meetings, talking about dressing for success. It's something we want to carry on as the seasons change, as they go into holiday time and springtime and prom time and those type of things. We want to make sure that we're helping our young men out be prepared for that. And also on this Saturday, October 16th, we'll be having a Zoom meeting. We're working with one of our brothers to introduce us to Miss Janelle Wellens. Janelle is an engineer at NASA in California, and she's going to share her story with how she first became interested in engineering, how she became interested in working at NASA and how she made her dreams into a reality. So we're looking forward to that on this Saturday and we'd be more than happy. Anybody that wanted to listen in uh, on that call to meet Janelle, we'll be able to share with you, Eric, uh, the link for that meeting on Saturday. That'll be this Saturday at 12 o'clock Central Time. Hey, I, I love it. And, you know, I, I think one of the, the, the cool things about Sigma Beta Club is you, you have your mentors in that chapter, but you're also willing to bring in outside voices to come and share different types of insight, which I think helps keeps it interesting for the, for the young guys. Cause I know that, you know, those young, younger ages, you know, you know, that attention span can be all over the place sometimes, but, but when right. you have some people that are willing to receive the information and you can bring a variety of types of information. I think that really helps that community and it helps make them the men that they need to be, right? Absolutely. And I just want to say in November, on November 13th, we're doing a program meeting. We have a military careers presentation we want to do. 
for our high school men, young men that are, may be interested in a military career. So we have our brother Daniel Scott, brother Lynn Taylor, who both 20 year plus military careers. We're gonna let them come in. And we also have a guest speaker that will come in. Brother Daniel Scott's son is right now in flight school in Florida. So he's gonna come in and we're gonna have a presentation from them to give information on military careers. Hey, that's, that's great. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's the kind of work that is not only appreciated, but it's noticed. And I know the parents appreciate it. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, you can tell when somebody is passionate about what they do, they enjoy it and it doesn't look difficult. They make it look easy. So I appreciate you setting that example, not only for me, but Thank for you. other brothers in the chapter as well. But man, hey, so, so let, let's, let's turn the page a little bit. Let's talk about your business and, 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 and definitely, we, we, for those of you who think that, you know, running a church is like a business, it's not like a business. It Absolutely. is a business. <laughs> it is a business. I mean, it has its own brand, its own market, its own operating expenses and everything that comes with that. So so tell us, how did you first connect with the Mount Olive, Greater Mount Olive Baptist Church? It's interesting that you asked. I was born at Greater Mount Olive Baptist Church. <laughs> My parents okay. joined Greater Mount Olive Baptist Church in the mid-50s. And I was born there. I grew up in that church in 1994. I was married and I ended up leaving to just follow where, where God was leading me. And it was interesting in leaving Greater Mount Olive, I, the years that I was away, I, I learned what ministry was all about. I knew what preaching was. I knew what church service was, but I learned what ministry was all about. I, was, I served as assistant pastor and elder at Agape Bible Church in Cedar Hill for about 16 years. And being there, again, I learned ministry. I learned what worship was all about versus ministry that is more than just coming in on Sunday mornings doing worship service. Ministry takes us Sunday through Sunday. Ministry takes place outside of the church, in homes, in communities, at work and at school. And during that time, while I was learning those things, I went back to, I was in, graduated from Southern Bible Institute. I started going there and I stopped when my son was about six years old. He had issues with dad being gone all the time. So I took a, about a three, four year hiatus away and went back and graduated with a, a, a guy at that time was a diploma in theology. But shortly after that, the school started working on their accreditation. And they, somebody called and told me that I could get have my diploma turned into a degree if I had so many hours of college. So I called the school and they asked me how many college hours I had. And I said, I got a degree. <laughs> so I was able to, at that point, take the, the my di diploma that I had, take the curriculum that I'd already completed, and I was able to turn it into a bachelor's degree in theological studies. And during the, around 2012, the summer of 2012, I just felt a calling from God to take my ministry elsewhere. So I started visiting churches and my wife and I were visiting churches. I met a lot of good friends, a lot of pastor friends during that time. And it was about November of 2012. I went back to Greater Miami to visit one Sunday. I went there to visit and they were working on some things. They were getting ready for their church anniversary at that time. And it, I believe at that time it may have been the 114th church anniversary. So we went, went to the anniversary program. I hadn't been to the anniversary program in several years. 
And it just so happened that one Sunday I was going to visit another friend of mine and their church started early. I showed up a great amount of hours, it was about 1130 and church was already going on. And I just left. And on the way home, I, I prayed and asked God to, to lead me to a church that I can take my, my services, my ministry and my family. It happened that next day I was at work and I got a call from one of the deacons at the church. They told me that their pastor resigned that Sunday after church. He resigned and they wanted to know if I would be interested in coming and preaching for them that coming Sunday. So I said, yes, I went and preached. And that next Wednesday we had a meeting and they were asking me if I would be interested in serving at the church for them while they were searching for a pastor. And I just threw it out there. Remember, these are guys that I've known most of them all my life. I said, well, not only would I be interested in serving, I'd be interested in pastoring this church if you all were interested in me. And one of the deacons said, well, we were hoping you'd say that. So between the fourth Sunday in November until I believe it was uh, mid-January, they had a meeting to see about making me pastor. And it came out, they said that, well, we're going to have a vote in three weeks. And we'll see, we'll, we're going to vote to confirm you as pastor. That's the desire of the church. Eric, on the way home that night, my wife was laughing. She said, you'd be pastor tonight if it wasn't for something you said to them two weeks ago. And I asked what that was. You told them, if this church is going to have bylaws, no sense in having bylaws if you're not going to follow them. So in those bylaws, it said they have to wait three weeks to call a special meeting to call a pastor. So she said, had it not been for that, you may have been pastor tonight. So we waited for three weeks and I officially became pastor of the church on February 18th of 2013. Wow. <laughs> that is a deep story that I, you know, we, you know, I, I hear people talk about calling, being called. And, you know, it's one thing to get the call. Sometimes you kind of pick up the wrong phone though, right? You know, right. <laughs> you, but when you get that calling, there's usually a sign that comes with that calling, right? Yeah. With, that helps you understand that, hey, this is just right. Absolutely. This is that decision. What was that What was that feeling for you? What, what, what happened to make you think, okay, yeah, this is really what I need to do? It, it was actually a confirmation to wait on the Lord. I never thought leaving that church eight, 18 years earlier that I'd ever be back. It was interesting in, in school, I made a statement. We were talking about church planning. And I remember making the statement in school one night, and I said it for years following that. The days of the community church, churches in neighborhoods are gone. In, in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the city. Nobody's going back into the community to have church. Everybody's growing up and moving out. And when they move out, they find churches where they live. So I said that, the, and I made the statement, the church that I grew up in, I don't know if they'll ever survive because of the move. I learned then that God has a sense of humor. I was 51. I felt like that my days of pastoring were behind me. I, I basically applied for churches and done those type of things. So I was just looking to help out in ministry. But God said to me that if you want a pastor, guess what? I'm going to send you to that church that you say can't survive. And the church doesn't, the church doesn't die till God kills it or till it kills itself. Ready my life was still thriving. 
They were still ministering. They were still working. So at that time, what they needed was a leader. And I thank God that he allowed me to be that leader at that time. Wow. And, I, and I'm sure they, they're they thanking God that you answered the call. So that, that's great. And, and I must I must say, man, as far as and, and, and I must say, as far as adjusting and pivoting, we know the pandemic kind of hit everybody mm-hmm. hard. I mean, how did that make you change operations or what impact did you have when it first started? And what did you end up having to do to carry on operations? The unfortunate thing, Eric, with the pandemic was the, the loss of life, the, the sickness that was going on throughout our country, throughout the world. But the positive thing for me and the Greater Mount Olive Baptist Church, it opened doors for God to use the resources, that, to allow us to use the resources that he had given us to reach people. I've been saying for a year or more that we need to get online. We need to start having church service online. My friends were doing Facebook Live, YouTube. We weren't doing anything. The pandemic allowed us or caused us to have to do it. The the week that we, the pandemic started when I, my job, when we went home from the job, that next Sunday, I believe it was in the first Sunday in, it was either the last Sunday of February 2020 or the first Sunday in March, I was able to have our first Facebook service. And I was sitting at my desk in the study and it, it was it was good. It was, it was a way to connect. And what we found, we were connecting with people that weren't coming to church on Sunday. So I was looking at that, knowing that we have older members at the church that, that are not computer set. What we did was we used Facebook Live, we used YouTube, and we also have a conference call line. So each Sunday, we use all three of those to make sure that we can connect to as many people as we can. My mother, who was living in California at the time, would not turn the computer on, but because of the conference call line, she would be able to get on every Sunday. She was sharing with friends of hers. So what the pandemic did was allowed us to see that there are other ways to reach people. And you don't have to reach them just on Sunday morning. Every service that we've had since March of last year is still on our Facebook page. It's still on YouTube. So we have 19 months worth of service that anybody can go back in and pick a Sunday. You, you can do us like you do your uh, programs on, on Netflix. You can start with one service and just move on to all of them if you want to. And so I believe that we can compete with television as long as if we're doing God's word, if we're giving God's word. And we're ministering in God's word. That should make people want to hear more of it. And that's what we're striving to do. We went back in in July. but We only have no more than 15 to 20 to come on Sunday morning because of the pandemic. We're practicing these COVID-19 protocols. We're social distancing. But we still have members that still connect by conference call line or online. So we're still reaching people. And that's the most important thing. And I must say, because... Uh, you know, we had been in the chapter working, you know, side by side on a couple of projects. And your whole demeanor, you and your brother, is just so even keeled and, and smooth. They, and somebody mentioned, well, you know, Lionel is a pastor. I said, oh, wow, I, I, I had no idea. And so I started just kind of, you know, it's, it's pandemic, right? You were not really mm-hmm. going anywhere. I started just kind of surfing around and, and I ended up looking up the website and I found a couple of sermons because I think you were in the living room at, at that point, just, and, and right. for me, 
it's one thing to connect with people, but then you it's about the quality of the message once that connection is established, right? It was just, you know, every every message was just straight to the point. It was edu- it was educational, which for me, when I'm looking at a church, ever since I've been a teenager, it was like, well, what are they going to teach me, right? right? It doesn't have to be something new because sometimes you can have the same right. lesson brought to you several times and you'll get something different out of it, right? Exactly. And I thought that was just so, so nicely presented and efficient. I was like, whoa, I mean, hey, this is an hour where I could just get in, get the word and and just really feel like I'm taking part in what he would have me to do. And it's a good example. So I've always wanted to share that with you, man. And and I I just commend you for what you've done for answering the call. And just keep up the good work, man, not only with the church, but also with your chapter as you you help influence and mold these young men and become a positive example of a nicely dressed African-American professional out in the community who happens to also have some musical talents that you may have picked up, you know, in and before Prairie View. Tell us a little bit about oh, you're that. Gonna, you're going to make me plug Prairie View, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Prairie View. I was in the band. I'm, I'm a percussionist. I was in the marching right. band. And generally, you, you find that uh, certain instruments call for certain statues. And all five foot six of me, I've, I've always loved playing the bass drum in the marching band. And I could say that I was an award-winning snare drummer in, in high school, and I was a, a stage band drummer. I did all the, the symphonic band, but I went to Prairie View to play the bass drum in the band. While I was at Prairie View, I played in the marching band, percussion ensemble, symphonic band. And I, I just truly loved that. And I said this to someone once before, Prairie View was really my first congregation. For two years, I was the band chaplain. So I always felt a calling on my life from God. So I always said that before we always went to a performance at Prairie View, we always had the, we, we hummed the, the school song and I prayed. So I look back at that and said, that was my first congregation there. And I just shout out to Prairie View and the Marching Storm being a proud alumni of Prairie View. And when I got home, well, before I went to college, I was the, the drummer at the church. And I did that for several years, and I'm semi-retired now. The time I should be practicing, I'm preparing sermons. And let me say, Eric, that I'm I'm so glad to hear you say that, to give me the compliments on the message, because that's what I strive to do, is the the message has to be teaching, it has to be edifying, it has to connect us to Jesus Christ. And that's all I try to do on Sunday mornings, to have a message that matters for everyone. Thank you. Hey, well, hey, hey, my pleasure. I believe in in, in giving um, credit where it's due, but um, also for me, the message is just in the model. It, it, it is, you know, again, your character speaks volumes without me even knowing you were, you know, even affiliated with the church or anything like Thank that. You. And 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 I think we really, we really need so much more of that in our community, especially now. Just good role models, just good examples to follow. So. Just, you know, other than the fact that you chose not to go to Alcorn State University and join the Sounds <laughs> of Dynamite, I think you're a pretty good guy, man. I went to Alcorn, Eric. <laughs> my freshman year, we had a game at Alcorn. So I did go there. So <laughs> Okay, let me be clear. All right. Okay, I, I, I get it. I get it. Hey, hey man, hey, you, hey, you're doing some good things, man. You know, Reverend Lionel Alexander, 
Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, Greater Mount Olive Baptist Church there in Dallas, Texas. Hey, keep doing the the, the work that you're doing, man. And if there's anything we can do to uh, promote what you got going on, just let us know, okay? Thank you. And if I could just throw a shout out real quick to, we talk about ministry and, and I know every church sort of prides themselves on the ministry of music. And if I could give a shout out to the young adult music department at my church, Unity. Unity of my young adult singers and they, my musicians and singers, they're all between the ages of mid-20s to mid-30s. And not only do they sing on Sunday mornings, but they minister on Sunday mornings. They're, they're not performing. They, they take uh, pride in ministering. They let their, the music minister. They let the songs minister. On any given Sunday before I get up to preach, I have to take a back seat because they, they were singing, but before I get up, the singing goes into ministry. And I never want to stop them from giving their testimony and song. So please uh, come and visit with us on Sunday mornings. We have the music ministry that we're so proud of. We have the, the message that, that I hope God is proud, proud of and pleased with. And we just invite you all to come to the Greater Mount Island Baptist Church. Our slogan is the friendly church where everybody is somebody and the spirit meets the soul. Thanks. Let me just say one thing about your unity. You had me humming this one song for about a week and a half and watching the one episode over and over. If you can use anyone, Lord, you can use me. I heard that. And the arrangement was so simple and so touching. You know, it's something special when you can get outside the concert and just get that one-on-one connection you know that's what moved me and i was like i gotta watch the next episode (laughs) you know this this is all right so man hey just just keep doing what you're doing like i said man and we will be fellowshipping with you real soon okay thank you very much i'm glad you had me on today all right. Hey, he's Reverend Lionel Alexander. I'm Eric Tucker. Thank you for joining us on Greekly Speaking. We'll catch you on the next episode.